0: A scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, the fifth chapter. It is part of a long speech or discourse that Jesus uh, is giving, and we come into the middle of that discourse as Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, uh, beginning in the 39th verse. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet, you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not accept me. If another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the one who alone is God. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe in me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe what he wrote, how will you believe? What I say. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, today we look at how to power up through Scripture. I was very excited about this week's sermon because I am an avid reader and student of the Bible. I love the Bible. I've been a lifelong student of it, and I have to admit that even now i still get excited every week as i read the words and wrestle with the words for my own life and the words to share with you my church family when i was a kid i was always the one who got the gold star in sunday school because i could say my memory verse every week my parents made sure i could before we went to church i grew up in a home where we talked about the bible and my mother and my father Three kids read their Bible every day as a part of our family routine. Both my parents were Sunday school teachers, and I have some very happy memories of my father late on a Saturday afternoon, early evening, sitting with his portable typewriter and typing up the notes for his Bible lesson that he would teach the next morning. The Bible was a very big part of my life uh, before I decided to become preacher. Years ago, I called the home of a family that was attending my church, and uh, the little five-year-old girl, I still remember her name, It's Peyton, she answers the phone. And so we chatted for a little while. I asked her about school that day and what she was doing and did she have a nice day, and we had a nice little conversation. And then I said, "Uh, could you get your mother? I'd like to talk to your mother for a minute. And she pulls the phone away from her face as only a little child can and yells at the top of her lungs, Mommy, telephone! And she says, Who is it? And she says, It's that Bible guy. And her mother says, Who? What are you talking about? she came, got on the phone. Well, the mother was mortified that the child had called me the Bible guy. I don't know if I've ever been prouder. I was very proud to be that little girl's Bible guy. When I was at seminary for the first time, I came home to visit my parents. And my mother, who was a preacher's kid, was very interesting about what you studied at this mysterious place called seminary because her preacher father didn't have that opportunity. He never finished the second grade so seminary was mysterious to her she wanted to know about it and she listened with great interest and enjoyed the conversation until i started talking about my bible classes (laughs) and started talking about the different theories of interpretation and the different translations and the different ways of understanding how a book of the bible came to be in the form that it was in and she looked at me very seriously and she finally said well barry earl If the King James Bible was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And we shared a good laugh. And I knew not to talk to her about Bible classes anymore. It was okay. Once in a church, a parishioner became very animated and emotional and angry about some issue. But they were really angry that it wasn't my issue. And so they finally called me one day and said, I want to make an appointment and talk to you. I want to talk about what the Bible says about this issue. And I said, I'd love to meet with you, but in the uh, spirit of full disclosure, I feel the need to tell you and remind you, I have a degree from a Baptist seminary. You are not going to out-Bible me. (laughs) But if you'd like to have a conversation about what the Scriptures say, I'd love to meet you. When can you come by the office? You know, we look at Scripture in many different ways. We talk about Scripture in many different ways. We handle Scripture in many different ways. Unfortunately, we often use Scripture for our own ends, our own purposes, our own agenda. George Barnard Shaw wrote, No man ever believes that the Bible means what it says he is always convinced that it says what he means. That's the great sin of misusing Scripture to beat down or divide or exalt ourselves in our own self-righteousness. All my years in ministry, all my life from my birth in the church, I don't ever recall a sentence that began, well, the Bible says... End up addressing anything that had to do with the life of the speaker. Those sentences always seem to end up in a defense of a position that judges somebody else. Well, the Bible says. If we want to know scripture in our life in a powerful way, as a source of power and strength for our living, we need to approach it more like Mark Twain when he wrote. It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. (laughs) Yeah. Preachers face the same temptation as anyone else. I've come to the conclusion in my own life that if the Scripture is not speaking first to me and my life, I highly doubt that the Scripture is speaking to me about anybody else's life. The purpose of Scripture is not to attack someone else or cull somebody out of the herd. Scripture is a gift from God. And to power up through Scripture is to read with our own heart open and our own mind open and our own life open not to what God is saying to someone else, but what God is saying to us, to us all. You know, as United Methodists, we have traditionally believed that the Word of God that's contained in the Old and New Testaments, in the language we use, is that it is the sufficient rule of both our faith and our practice. We don't adhere to this idea of that somehow the Bible tells us everything we want to know about everything. But we stake our lives on the fact that the Bible tells us everything we need to know to be able to receive God's love and grace in our own life and to be transformed into a loving life for God and for our neighbors. The scriptures are a record of the universal human experience of the journey of life and the journey of faith. It talks about faithfulness and disobedience. It talks about high commitments and broken promises. It talks about affirmation and doubt. And God speaks to us through Scripture when we interpret it in light of its original meaning and the message it has for us today. In our text, Jesus has been going head-to-head with the Pharisees, as Milton shared. People who believe the purpose of Scripture was to hold power over someone else. That's what they did with Scripture. Jesus has healed a man who has been sick for 38 years, lying on a mat by a pool, For 38 years. Jesus sees him, has compassion. Tells him to stand, take up his mat, and walk. And he did. But it was the Sabbath. And these religious leaders, instead of rejoicing that God had worked a miracle and and brought this man his life once again, they are furious. How dare you heal someone on the Sabbath? You can't carry your mat. That's work. Their understanding of Scripture was that was work. So it was wrong to be healed on the Sabbath. Jesus had then tried to teach them. Teach them that the Son of God can't do anything except what the Father wants Him to do. He tries to teach them that He has come to them so that they might be saved. But in spite of all their Scripture quoting and all their Bible thumping, they couldn't see what God was doing right in front of their very eyes. So Jesus says what our text You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He goes on to say that though they know the law, they know the scripture, they can quote anything, they do not have the love of God in them. Those are the most biting words in that text. How sad to know the Scriptures and not know the love of God for yourself or for others. So how do we plug into Scripture? How do we power up through Scripture? How can we be people who love the Scriptures and avoid the fate of those who misunderstand the purpose of Scripture in our faith and in our life. We do that by approaching Scripture as a gift from God, a gift that points us to God's love and salvation. We reject the belief that a right belief in the Bible saves us. Only God's love and grace can save us. And it's the Bible that lets us know that truth. That's where we hear the story. That's where we follow God's work throughout history. And come to a man named Jesus. Only by God's grace are we saved. And we only come to know that truth by reading the Scripture through the lens of love. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, came to hold the little letter we call 1 John as the highest theology in Scripture. He says this, John, 1 John four nineteen, we love God because God first loved us is the sum of, of the gospel. Everything else the scripture tries to tell us is summed up in that phrase John Wesley said We love God because God first loved us. The scriptures point us to that truth that God loves us and God wants us to love and God wants us to love our neighbors as we do ourselves. This is a truth that will transform our lives. This is a truth that will transform the world. We plug in and power up through Scripture when we read these words through the lens of love. Scripture strengthens us for daily living, not when we read it as a novel, or read it as a law book, or read it as a source of ammunition to win an argument or judge someone else. Scripture becomes a source of power in our life for good when we hear the word of God's great love for all people. There's a famous story told about Karl Barth, one of the Greatest theologians of the 20th century. He was in America in the 60s on a lecture tours at the University of Chicago, and he has held forth to all the seminary students. And at the question and answer time, one of the students raised their hand and said, Can you sum up in one sentence your life's work in theology and faith and Bible? And the great scholar said, Yes, I can. I can do it in a phrase from a song I learned at my mother's knee. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's the purpose of Scripture. We can power up our lives when we read the words of Scripture through the lens of love and let that message seep deeply into our hearts. And we let that love transform us into loving people who reflect God's way we love one another. That's the gift of Scripture. Read it. Through In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.